TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. CBS Sports Radio, great to be here. I am Bart Winkler in for Bill Ryder for today and throughout the week on what should be, as the week progresses, an interesting week. We'll start to see where guys stay, where guys move in the NBA to help sift through a little bit of what we could see Jake Fisher joining us here on Writer Than You. You can see his work at Yahoo Sports. Also, he co-hosts the No Cap Room podcast on the Ball Don't Lie podcast network. So, again, you want more from Jake after this, check him out. No Cap Room is the podcast. Jake, it seems like, and thanks for coming on, it seems like, I don't know, James Harden, DeAndre Ayton, Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard. There's all these guys that could be you know, a big piece, a big Big news breaks. It seems like there's a lot of news that says these guys might stay, and I don't want to like read too much into everything because I think we're in kind of a silly season where teams are saying something or players are saying something. Who of those guys like is more likely to get moved? Who of those guys is more likely to stay? What can we expect this week and beyond? So there's definitely a lot of smoke and silly season, being that a lot of the conversations that are – happening right now aren't necessarily legal right um with (laughs) you know player representation and teams having uh under the radar excuse me under the table you know talks about stuff that's coming up so that's why it's kind of difficult to piece together some of this stuff and some of the reporting you can't even really say everything you know because some of the stuff's illegal you know so to answer your question i mean i do think that the draft was supposed to be full of all this trade activity um, that we didn't see. And I think we could see a bunch of trades upcoming here this week before free agency starts, um, whether that's in Atlanta with John Collins, um, whether that's other teams moving salary like Dallas did, um, like Sacramento did to um, be able to make other bigger moves. Like the Kings now have upwards of $35 million to make a big deal. So, um, we're still early here as much as, you know, the draft was last week and for agencies Friday, there's still a long way to go for a lot of deals to happen to kind of shift the landscape here. Who can be players when the open market begins on Friday at 6 p.m. You know, in the NBA with media, it, it always seems like, uh, and being in Milwaukee, I, I've had this like small market complaint where we have a superstar here and everybody wants to see him somewhere else. And, you know, the same thing happens with Zion or Ja or whatever. But with Damian Lillard, it's like everybody, everybody kind of like just leave already. You know, everybody wants to, everybody thinks that he should be somewhere else. We're not 
there's nobody rallying around the small market teams being like, no, keep your guy. It's just every year it seems to be, okay, this might be the year, this might be the year. You know, they didn't draft Scoot Henderson, and he's talking about, yeah, I'd love to play with Dame. Apparently Dame's team was upset that they didn't trade the pick. Do you think we'll get resolution on that this week? So at this point, I don't think so. Everything I've heard from the situation is that the Blazers are looking at this very similarly to how Brooklyn looked at Kevin Durant's trade request last July, where KD requested trade an hour before free agency begins, and the Nets basically said, so what? You're under contract for four years. We're going to play out this offseason, try to create a roster that can help you compete for a championship, and you're going to reevaluate things and stick around here. So Portland, to my knowledge, is not was not viewing this as trade the number three pick or else Dame is out of here. They're thinking that, you know, we're going to re-sign Jeremy Grant. Maybe there's other things we can do on the free agency market here or in the trade market to try to up this team's ceiling levels to contend, and then Dame will potentially reconsider and stick around. Um, well, I guess reconsider is the wrong word, being that he has not formally indicated a desire to leave Portland at this point, to my knowledge. So we'll see how that happens. But for now, I'm kind of expecting any change in Dame status in Portland will happen um, after the early goings of free agency. Maybe you know early next week is the earliest we'll see. But things can change. I mean, he could just wake up on Tuesday tomorrow and just decide I want out. So we'll see what happens. Jake Fisher, Jake L. Fisher on Twitter. Again, you can hear more of him. No Cap Room is the podcast on the Ball Don't Lie podcast network. No Cap Room. Um, DeAndre Ayton is, you know, the the West, it seems like it's the Nuggets, again, for the taking. And the Suns are trying something, and they got a new owner in there, and Bradley Beal now, and Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker, and they kind of seem like they're all, like, you know, they're different players, but they're almost all variants of the same guy. Like, they're going to shoot. They're going to shoot a lot and they're going to score a lot of points. They also need to fill out the rest of the roster because they're all making a lot of money. And if they keep DeAndre Ayton, well, then, I mean, you're really going to have, like, you're, you're going to, like, challenge depth. You're going to have a playoff rotation of six guys. DeAndre Ayton's a piece that could be moved, but now the reports are, okay, they want to see how that works. What do you think is going to happen with Phoenix? Where Where are you on that? I think they're still going to look at a couple of DeAndre Ayton trades. I, I know that the word is out there that they're not looking to do that. That, that could be some, some posturing on the market, right, to try to figure out exactly what's going down um, elsewhere. And as, you know, the way for agency and the draft itself, but all this offseason combined works is kind of like a domino effect where teams have their top choices. And then once options come off the board, they start to work their way down things. So maybe an Ayton trade does come about. Um, at a certain point, but I think I think the more likely scenario is he does stick around, and the Suns are going to then be super aggressive to try to bring in guys on minimum deals. That's really going to be their only real option uh, to flush out this roster. So they'll see a lot of names. I think that have familiarity with Kevin Durant in the past. You know, someone like Utah Watanabe, who was a big favorite of his when they were together in Brooklyn last season point guard Mike James, who um, I forget where he was playing overseas, but KD went out and like watched his games. Um, once the Nets were done, they, they played together in Brooklyn. I mean, you'll, you'll hear a ton of names like veterans like Austin Rivers and Seth Curry and Reggie Jackson, those types of players, plus the rotation pieces they already have, like Bismack Biombo and Torrey Craig and Jock Landall. So it'll be those four at this point, and then a bunch of guys on 
minimum salary. That's pretty much the, the landscape of what Phoenix can do here. Talking with Jake Fisher, um, if it's not Denver, if it's not Phoenix, you know, Golden State has owned the West for a long time. This Chris Paul thing, I I guess I got two questions about Golden State. Is Chris Paul, is he going to be a warrior at the end of the season? Because that could be an expiring contract again. And then I'm still not like 100% sure. I think someone could poach Draymond away from that situation. I, I think somebody could. I know they trade Jordan Poole and everyone's like, well, that means Draymond's staying. I don't know about that. Yeah, I think all general indications are that Draymond wants to go back. He said it as much after their series ended with the Lakers. Um, There will be Sacramento looming. I mean, I think Portland is going to be a team that will try to figure out a way to figure out how to get him into the fold, being that he's always been a player Dane's wanted to play with. Um, You know, Dallas has been linked to him in the past. I think ultimately the goal for Draymond is going to be to get his money, right? And if he can find another scenario, even like the Houston Rockets to give an offer that will ultimately push Golden State across the finish line on numbers that he's looking for, I think that's possible too. But all that I think would be in mind of trying to get a higher salary figure from the Warriors. I'd be surprised if he did leave. Um, And if he does, to me, it would be completely with the mind of going to a different contending situation or at least a playoff situation. So something like Houston I'd be surprised by, but a run down to Sacramento where he'd be coached by, you know, former Warriors assistant and Mike Brown as a bunch of other Golden State staffers that Brown took with him to SAC, um, still in the area near his family. That would be, I think, something to keep an eye on. But, again, I, I think the Warriors are, are the spot for him. I think I mentioned James Harden's name, but I don't think I've asked you anything about the East yet. It seems like um, that's going to be interesting with what happens with Philly. Uh, Boston has traded for Porzingis, uh, got rid of Marcus Smart. We'll see how that tips the scales for them. Milwaukee, it uh, you're assuming that Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez come back unless somebody offers one of those guys some money that they can't turn down. When it shakes out, uh, how do you think the East is going to look in terms of the top teams and who might the favorite be. I know there's still unknowns to, to happen and we'll see what Boston does anything else and what happens with Milwaukee. But I think Boston for the most part might be set outside of another move. Milwaukee. I think those guys ultimately come back. I don't know what's going to happen with Philly, but what's your read on the East? Yeah, I think the top three teams you mentioned, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, you know, with all apologies to Miami, uh, but th- those are the top three seeds. Um, or I guess, yeah, they were the top three seats uh, entering the postseason last year. I mean, Milwaukee, I'm fully expecting Middleton to be back. The Lopez question is a bit bigger, and people around the league really want to know what will end up happening with him. The two players there definitely sound like him going back to Milwaukee, um, and then he has the Rockets very much interested. Um, and I think you know Houston's really trying to dangle big balloon two-year contracts at guys like him, like Fred Van Vliet from Toronto. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening there. With Boston, they, they've kind of made their big move, trading Marcus Smart for Kristaps Porzingis. Um, I'm curious if they'll be continuing efforts to trade Malcolm Brogdon after they you know, agreed in principle to send him to the Clippers and then his uh, physical failed. So it'll be obviously uh I don't know, questionable dynamic for him to go back to that situation after, you know, they basically already sent him out the door. With the Sixers, 
all signs right now are pointing to James Harden returning. I, I do think Philadelphia folks are a little bit more confident now than they were, uh, let's say, before they fired Doc Rivers. I think once the change happened there, head coach, and they brought in Nick Nurse, and he's met with a lot of the Sixers players, um, I think there's starting to be some changing of the tide there. And the rest of the things with Philly will be kind of on the on the margins with Paul Reed and George Niang. I, I'm not expecting a Tobias Harris trade. It's definitely being talked about. I mean, he's now all of a sudden a expiring contract, and that could have some pretty interesting ripple effects for any team acquiring him, whether they just view him as an expiring deal or someone to bring back on an extension at a lower number. Um, I don't know the likelihood of a deal for him, but his name will definitely continue to be whispered about, talked about on the trade market, I think, from now until February if he doesn't get moved. Yeah, a lot that could happen, a lot that may not happen. We'll see, and we'll stay uh, in tune with you. Jake L. Fisher on Twitter. Again, uh, Yahoo Sports and No Cap Room, the podcast. Jake, thanks so much. You got it. Thank you. Jake Fisher again joining us uh, on Twitter. Jake L. Fisher uh, with a C in there. You probably, even if you don't notice, you've probably seen his work. He's uh, very prominent on Twitter and got the podcast and uh, in on a lot of uh, the ground uh, situations and rumors. I don't know, man. I don't know of, of all the guys. I do think with the Bucks, uh they keep their guys. I think Middleton and, and Lopez will both come back. Sixers, I really don't know. It sounds like Harden could stay, which would surprise me since the Houston thing was so obvious. I think if 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 James goes back to Houston, then maybe then maybe they're looked at as a contender again. But I don't know what Houston uh, or Harden's like. Is he a guy that people want to go play with? Are they going to seek out playing him? I uh, didn't mention Dallas there. That's another interesting one. It, it looked like Kyrie was going to be a rental or a who knows situation. I just can't see like the, the because we know a lot about Mark Cuban. Like he's all over the place. Uh, Cubans, tubins or tube socks or whatever the commercial is, Shark Tank, and you know he's getting in these fights online. Uh, I just didn't think that he would be the owner that would want to give Kyrie a long-term deal, but but maybe maybe that is what he wants to do. So that's interesting. A lot to figure out over the next couple of days. Free agency officially begins Friday, but we'll start to hear more things as the week progresses. CBS Sports Radio eight five five two one two four two two seven. Buy or sell is next. CBS Sports Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 
You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. CBS Sports Radio. I am Bart Winkler in for Bill Ryder. It is time for Buy or Sell. What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. All right, Bart, let's start things off in the NBA today. The Timberwolves signed backup center Nas Reed to a three-year, $42 million deal yesterday, which means that for next season, Bart, Minnesota has $91 million committed at the center position alone between Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, and now Nas Reed. Buy or sell the Timberwolves have been spending their money wisely. Um... I'm close to a yes if I separate the Gobert trade, but I'm going to consider that spending, so I will say I will sell this. Sell. Nas, I'm like, Nas Reed is good. I like Nas Reed. I don't know. Maybe I'm too influenced. I was at a Bucks timberwolves game this year where Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns are both out, and uh, Nas Reed was... You know, getting reboards and making threes. And this guy, man, this guy's the real deal. He's the third center on that team. Look, some teams like the Zig when others zag. Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns making a lot of money at the center position. I would think that if you're Minnesota, like if I, if I took control of Minnesota right now, I would try to trade one of those guys. Especially because you've got Anthony Edwards, who is due for an extension, Pretty soon here, too. He's still on his rookie deal, so you're going to have to pay him. You would want to keep him. Uh, you've got Conley coming off the books next year. Some of the other guys coming off the books eventually, too. Kyle Anderson, Tareen Prince. I think I think they're 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 outside of the Gobert trade. I think I like what they're doing. It's going to be nowhere near being a top team in the West, though. So... They got to move on. That Gobert trade was so bad. They traded so many picks for Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert, and he's under contract another two years. Got a player option. Ultimately, I got to sell that one. That's a sell. All right, Bart, let's get to some baseball here. Last night in the Dodgers, 6-5 loss to the Astros in extra innings. Freddie Freeman became the newest member of the 2000 Hit Club. Freeman, who turns 34 in September, is a career 299 hitter, but he's never had 200 hits in a single season. My question to you, Bart, buy or sell Freddie Freeman reaching 3,000 career hits? That's a great stat because last year he had 199. Um, He had 191 one season back in 18. So I'm just trying to do some quick math here. My initial sell, 3,000 is a lot. Sell. And so for Freddie Freeman to get 3,000 hits, if he had 100... I don't know. There's going to be an injury in there. Uh, he'll probably sign a contract. Uh, another. Maybe he'll go back to Atlanta after all said and done. Play till he's 40. It's seven years. 150 hits a year. 170. I, I, I just don't see the math happening. He'll play, and he might, like, this might be a Bernie Mac situation. Uh, the movie Mr. 3000. Where he might just hang on until he's fifty to try to get it. Now that's not what happened in the movie. What happened in the movie was there was a there was an error and they took three hits away. They double counted a game that was a double header. They double counted it. It was suspended play later. They double counted it. He had to come back. Ultimately, Bernie Mac's character Stan 
the boss, Ross, did the right thing and put the team ahead of itself. Is that movie forgotten in history, Mr. 3000? Did uh, nobody like it? Until you brought it up, Bart, I actually owned that movie, but until you just brought it up, I had completely forgotten about it. Well, it's like it wasn't that good, first of all. And the motivation was bad because the team rallied around each other. Bernie Mac ultimately, his character sacrificed himself so that the Brewers could take third in the division. Like a lot of these teams, they want to win the wild card or make the playoffs. Their big thing was taking third. And that shows you how bad that team's been historically, that that was like a realistic part of it. Yeah, Mr. 3000, it's, it's no Mr. Baseball. It's no little big league. It's no major league. Yeah. I think Sandlot personally is a little overhyped, but whoa, it's no Sandlot. Whoa, don't bury the leader. Sandlot overhyped? Sandlot is a fine movie. I just know too many people that have made it like a part of their personality. Like, I love Sandlot. Okay, good for you. you like, kill- it'd be. Yeah, go You're ahead. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like if I if I met if if some of, I know some people that if they were to introduce themselves, they'd be like, "Well, tell me a little bit about you." Well, uh, yes, I'm 38. I'm an engineer. Uh, I have three kids. I love the movie Sandlot. Like that's a little much, right? That's kind of obsessive. It's a piece of my childhood, right there, Bart. Did you ever watch The Big Green? Oh yes, for sure. That movie sucked too. You know <laughs> that one I agree with you. You know a movie's bad that people are pretending to like is the Will Ferrell soccer movie Kicking and Screaming. I've seen that one as well and I agree with you. That's a terrible movie. And then you know what uh movie people pretend to not like but I actually think is good is Fever Pitch. <laughs> That's like a guilty pleasure. Yeah, I with Jimmy Fallon. I love Fever Pitch. I love it. All right. Uh what was I I don't think the Timberwolves are good. No. Freddie Freeman? Yeah, Freddie Freeman. No no 3,000 sell on Freddie Freeman. All right, Bart. Let's keep it in Major League Baseball here. After hitting an American League record 62 home runs last season in a free agent year, Yank slugger Aaron Judge signed an MLB record nine-year, $360 million deal last offseason. And while Judge got off to a hot start this year, hitting 19 homers in 49 games, he hasn't played in over three weeks, June 3rd, because of a torn ligament in his toe. Now, there's no timetable set for Judge's return, except Judge himself saying he expects to return at some point this season. Buy or sell Aaron Judge's injury is why long-term deals aren't smart in baseball. I will buy that. Buy. I think there would be a lot of people that still argue for long-term deals. One, the player because you get to have all that money coming to you and financial security. The teams would probably like long. I mean, you, you want to know that this guy's going to stay there and you don't want to do the whole, like in the NBA, you got your superstar. You got to negotiate with him and keep him happy every three, four years because you can only offer up to five years. I mean, if the Bucks could give Giannis a 20-year deal, they would. But you can't do that in the NBA. That, though, leads to more player movement because guys, hey, I'm not going to be here. I don't want to be here. It's only a three-year deal. Get me out. I mean, you've got Kevin Durant getting himself traded with four years left on his deal. And I think there's a lot of that in the NBA. We see that more in the NBA because of how short the deals are. It's an investment. It's a risk. And a lot of times, these deals are always bad. They always end up bad at the end. 
Nobody's ever a bargain for $40 million at age 39. That never happens. So I think they're bad, but it's also it's part of how you keep them. A lot of these deals, Tom, you and I talked about this with Chris Middleton. It's like you have to make a deal that is bad to, to, to keep a guy. You, you, I think every Bucks fan right now, if you could get two years for Chris Middleton, they would take it. But they're going to offer him four. And that fourth year, he's going to be 36 on a couple of bum knees, making 30-some million dollars. At 32, 33, that's fine. There's still a lot there. But at, what's it going to look like at 35, 36? Also, to commit to anything for nine years outside of a marriage, of course, and fatherhood. In sports, it's hard. You don't know what the game's going to look like. You don't know what. You just don't know what's going to happen. Nine years is a long time to commit. So I would think that, yeah, this is an indication. Like maybe long term deals aren't the best. But then what's the alternative? He's a San Francisco Giant and the Yankees don't have him. Nobody would like that. That's a tough one, but I'll ultimately say bye. All right, Bart. While the Angels are on the outside looking in at the playoff picture at this very moment, they're in the thick of the hunt, just one game back of the Blue Jays for the third and final wildcard spot in the American League. Now, the Angels came out and said last week that if they are in contention, they will not trade soon-to-be free agent Shohei Otani. However, Bart, they did make a trade this weekend after beating the Rockies 25-1 to on Saturday. The Angels actually traded for Colorado's Mike Moustakis. Buy or sell the Angels being buyers at August 1st trade deadline. I'm going to buy that. Buy. I take the Angels to win the West every year. They have not made the playoffs since 2014. Now, is that because you want to see Mike Trout and Shohei finally in the playoffs, or you actually think they're talented enough to get there? Well, I always think that with those two guys, you're going to get there. I mean, maybe I look at it in the NBA. If you had the two best players in the NBA playing together, of course you're going to the playoffs. And you might be winning a championship, but that's not how it works in baseball. Totally different sports, of course. And we all think of the Tungsten Armo Doyle tweet where these guys, you know, ball out and then the rest of the team stinks. They each homer, Shoei throws eight scoreless, and they lose 3-2 somehow. 73 wins last year, 77 the year before that. The last time they were over 500 was in 2015. They haven't been over 500 since 2015. Shohei's never been on a team that's been over 500 since he joined five years ago. The enticing thing is going to be, like, Shohei Otani is so good, and you're essentially getting two players, aren't you? I don't think we make a big enough deal that this guy is not only an immaculate hitter, he's an immaculate pitcher. He's, He's great. So the hall has to be great. So if you're the Angels and you don't think you're going to sign Shohei again, and you think it's ending, you get a lot in return, even in a, under a rental situation. A lot of times in sports, when we have these guys coming to the end of the deal, we think, well, we don't want to let them walk away for nothing. But what they're what they're not walking away with nothing. They're walking away with another half season of Shohei Otani. And I think for the Angels, with how bad Mike Trout's teams have been, with how they had Shohei Otani and can't even show a 500 record for it, if they can sniff the playoffs and get close, they got to do it. Because it's not like they're going to trade for Shohei and get this package and all of a sudden be contenders again. I don't think that's happening. I don't think the teams run well enough. They've got to look at this as this is our opportunity. This is our moment. So I would think that they keep Shohei, and then who knows? Like, this is already the, the season. They already gave you the front end. 
with Shohei striking out Trout in the World Baseball Classic. Now, the bookend of that should be those two celebrating a World Series championship. The, the, the script is written for these guys. Don't screw it up. All right, Bart. Speaking of screwing it up, the New York Mets are now 35-42 and 42 on the season after yesterday's 7-6 loss to the Phillies, in which the Mets blew a three-run lead in the eighth inning. That included Philly scoring the tying and the winning run on bases loaded hit by pitches. Bart Byersell, the New York Mets are the most disappointing team in MLB. There's a couple other contenders. Uh... I'll buy that. Bye. Just because the expectations were so high. I mean, at the beginning of the season, it wasn't just like winning a World Series. It was winning multiple with the large payroll. I think other contenders, the White Sox, I still, like, they don't, they were the team of the future a couple years ago, and they still got a lot of great players. But Tony La Russa sank that thing into the ground. I think the Cardinals have been disappointing. I'm convinced the Padres are never going to turn into what we thought they would. Yeah, what is their deal? They have so many studs on that roster. Pitching and hitting. And they're four games under. Yeah, what is their deal? Maybe they're doing like a Miami Heat thing where they're going to sneak in as the eighth seed and then all of a sudden go crazy. But I think, yeah, I think with the Mets, to be seven games under with all the hype that was... Give it. I mean, it's a very close race. It is a very close race. I'm only going to say the Mets because everyone's yelling at CBS Sports Radio for talking to New York, so I made sure to do that right now. <laughs> All right, Bart, let's change our focus here to some college. Hey, Mets, Mets, Brewers this week. <laughs> Big series, my Brewers. All right, Bart, yesterday the Florida Gators tied the College Baseball World Series at one game apiece, beating LSU 24-4. to those 24 runs were the most in the College World Series game ever, and that 21-run differential was just one run away from the most ever. The decisive Game 3 is tonight in Omaha. Buy or sell Florida's Game 2 route will have an impact in tonight's Game 3. Uh, I don't think it'll have too much of an impact. I'll sell that. Sell. So. LSU, I think they need to win by 7 Otherwise, they will end up, if they win, with a negative run differential. Last night, obviously, not helping. But sometimes in those kind of games, if you give up so many runs early, I mean, what are you supposed to do? And the other team just pours it on. Uh, If anything, maybe they save pitchers. I don't know. I don't know the LSU bullpen too well. But I think tonight's its own entity. I think now that you've had the one game, you've had game two, this is going to be a new thing. They know that more people are going to be watching it than normal. I said earlier that... There's nothing else on. My apologies to the NHL Awards show, which is apparently happening tonight on TNT. Uh, so if you're channel surfing. But I don't think it'll have too much of an impact. I'll, I'll sell. All right, Bart, let's finish up with some golf here. Keegan Bradley won the Travelers Championship over the weekend, finishing minus 23, three shots better than Zach Blair and Brian Harmon. The win was Keegan Bradley's sixth on the PGA Tour. Bart Byersell watching golf has not been the same since the announcement of the inevitable PGA Tour Live Golf merger. I will buy that a little bit. Buy. There is sort of a weird cloud that hangs over it. I did, though, with the uh, championship. What was the last major PGA? No, the U.S. Open. With the U.S. Open, I did kind of forget about it and let myself just watch the golf. 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm like freaking out about the PGA and live, and I don't like this. And then once the golf happened, I kind of just sat back and, you know, relaxed and watched the golf. And I thought, oh, boy, sports watching really does work because now I don't care. I'm just watching golf. But there is a weird cloud to it all, right? There is a weird, like, this isn't, this isn't right. This isn't, something's, something's wrong here. So, I don't know. It does seem interesting. It does seem wrong. Um, they got to figure this out before we know everything. There is a cloud that hangs over it, uh, certainly. That's buy or sell. Good stuff, Tom. Appreciate you on that. You know who else I appreciate is Pat Boyle. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. CBS Sports Radio. I am Bart Winkler in for Bill Ryder. Today and throughout the week, 855-212-4227. Great to be with you wherever you find yourself. It's NBA Free Agency Week. It actually starts on Friday. So Friday we may know some signings. We may start to know signings earlier than that. We may start to see some trades Ahead of that, the big news I have for you right now since the draft is that Nas Reed, whose name I've mentioned a lot more than I think he thought I would today, uh, is staying with the Timberwolves. I like Nas Reed. I don't know what to say. I, I like Nas Reed. Uh, talked a little bit about the Timberwolves before. I, I, You know, when you're building a team, it's like there's a lot of these teams that are moving pieces around and, and trying to do what, what they think is best, but they're still like – they're still – a huge gap between where they are and what they could be and the team that just won it all in Denver. I do think if you look at the Western Conference specifically, Denver has to be viewed as the favorite again, not just to win that conference, but the league. The NBA, you know, we've talked about big threes a lot and all that. I think the best way is to get a superstar, get a good running mate, and then build pieces that fit those two guys. It's it's more about seeing what you have and finding the right guys. I, that's why I think the Nuggets uh, did a great job. Like Jokic by himself cannot take a team to a championship. He can he could take an average team far. He did in the bubble a few years ago. But they noticed that they needed to make some upgrades. Jamal Murray was there at the time, yeah. But instead of Will Barton and Monte Morris, it's Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. And then Caldwell Pope they were able to bring in. Uh, Bruce Brown was a big key for them. So it's kind of like building along the way. You get your superstar, you find a roommate, Jamal Murray, a guy who also could be all-star capable, and then like a lot of good. You need a you need a strong one, a strong two, a couple of threes, uh, if that makes sense, in terms of like a big three, and then a whole bunch of like eights that can chip in when needed or, or like not play or be DeAndre Jordan and play for two minutes in game five of the finals. So I think that's the way to build a team. The more that I think about Phoenix, the less I think that's going to work. I really think, like, Phoenix Phoenix was my pick to come out of the West in the uh, playoffs. Because I thought, look, you've got Kevin Durant. You already have a team that was in the finals two years ago with Chris Paul and Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And I like some of the pieces that they had with them. Now, they did trade Bridges and some other guys in the Durant deal, which ultimately may have hurt them. But what the playoffs came down to was the only way that Phoenix was going to be Denver was if Kevin Durant and Devin Booker scored 40 points each and made a bunch of tough shots because Denver was throwing everything at them. And so that's just not sustainable. And now you add another guy like that into the mix, but it's really like three kind of versions of the same guy. I think if they were paired with a Jokic or a 
Giannis or an Embiid. You know, I think it'd be a lot more likely to work, but they're kind of all doing the same thing. Yeah, they're different players. Yeah, they're different heights. Yeah, they're different skill sets to a degree, but they're really, you're asking them, you're going to ask those three guys to win via iso ball in the playoffs, and, and Denver shut that down easily. Now, DeAndre Ayton, Denver kind of played him like he couldn't contribute. He's he's like good in some sets and then not good in others. I think in the regular season, you're going to see this team win a lot of games because a lot of these teams, they don't, they don't like scout the other team. A lot of the regular season is let's work on some stuff. Let's go out and play. You know, we'll run a play here when we need to. We'll do this when we need to. Playoff basketball is a grind and it's uh, a chess match and it's back and forth and it's strategy and it's maneuvering. The regular season is essentially just like go out and hoop, go out and play. And Phoenix is going to be really good at that because they'll just go out, they'll put up shots. Uh, the defense won't be as tight as it is in the postseason, so they'll be able to get to the rim a bunch more. Uh, they're going to they're gonna be very good in the postseason, assuming all those guys are healthy because you're going to have pretty much at all times – depending on how they do their rotations, two of Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, and Kevin Durant on the floor at the same time. They're going to score a lot of points. Score a lot of points. Come the playoffs, I don't know that that necessarily works once you have a team actually designed to shut you down and then executing that. They don't have like another They don't have like another thing they can do. I think some of these teams in the playoffs, you have your style of basketball. The team's going to try to counter that. Then you have to like shift and be a chameleon and find a different way to win. And I think that Phoenix is only going to have one way to win. And that's just these guys taking a lot of shots. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm down on them. I don't know. But I think uh, the first tweet I saw after those trades, that's what, that's what sticks with me. Oh, instead of losing in six, they'll lose in seven to Denver. Like that. It's still going to be Denver. I don't think this did anything to push them over Denver. Uh, I don't know what the Kings can do. Signing Draymond like they apparently want to would be a big move for them. Does it put them back up to Denver? Uh, Golden State, I don't know about Golden State. This Chris Paul thing, it just does not, it cannot compute in my brain. Because him and Steph Curry have been on-court rivals for really a generation, a decade. And now Chris Paul is, is coming over to Golden State. And, you know, he could be somebody that ends up getting moved at the deadline. He's a... He's an expiring deal, so he could get moved. They moved Jordan Poole, so everyone says, all right, well, that means Draymond's staying. I th- I think. I mean, Draymond, it doesn't – Draymond's at the point with Warriors fans where it's not like if he leaves, Warriors fans are going to turn on him. No, no, no. Warriors fans have been in the trenches with Draymond Green. You have stood up for Draymond when everybody else was tearing him down. You've stood strong by Draymond, even if you knew he was wrong even if you knew it wasn't the right thing to do. Although I did, uh, I talked to one Warrior fan, transparency, my dad, and I was talking about Draymond tried to step through a guy and push him into the ground. And my dad, my dad's like, well, if you watch the video, uh, Draymond actually never put his full pressure of his foot on DeMontis Sabonis. I'm like, dad, I know you like Draymond. I know you like the Warriors. Come on, dude. No, no, really, Bart. Watch the watch the take. Not Dad. Come on, Dad. So Warriors fans will they'll still. I mean, Draymond will come back. He'll be. But if there's an opportunity for Draymond to make a lot of money, uh, and play in Sacramento where they've got some of that Warriors thing happening, he's played under Mike Brown. He was an assistant coach there. 
you know, I I don't know. I'm not 100% sold that Draymond comes back to Golden State. And then what are the Warriors? You know, then what are they? They got Chris Paul. I just, I don't, I don't. It just is so weird to me. So out West, anything could happen. Haven't mentioned the two LA teams. The Clippers, I thought for sure they would be collecting rings when Kawhi went there a handful of years ago. They've been very disappointing. Uh, the Lakers, I thought the Lakers did a really good job of building a team, and I thought they competed very well with Denver, but again, they did not win a game. So we'll see if they can find some pieces. Uh, there's, I just think Denver right now has figured it out. like They've mastered it. Every, every other team is trying to just figure out how to beat Denver. Denver's got their their star, they've got their running mate, and they've got the other pieces that fit around it. Now, they could lose Bruce Brown, so they meet, may, may need to be active. So I, I shouldn't assume that they've got, like, the perfect piece. I think every team, every team to get to the playoffs, it's like trying to build a puzzle. Trying to build a puzzle. And you need all your pieces to fit right. I think Denver right now fits just right, where some of these other pieces, they're like, oh, that's for, that should be in that box. What are we doing here? This doesn't fit here. Dallas Mavericks. Got a big Kyrie puzzle piece. That doesn't go in this one. What are we doing? Out in the East? Yeah, I don't know. I, we, we don't really talk about Miami. I was just talking with Jake Fisher earlier. Uh, you could follow him on Twitter. Jake L. Fisher covers the NBA, Yahoo Sports. He uh, he didn't mention Miami either when we're talking about the top three teams. Because even though they had a great run and even though everybody paid them the respect, it did seem like that was kind of like a we found some sort of like we, we ate our spinach like Popeye and we're going to be on this momentous run and, and here we go and we're going to make it happen. But I don't know if there's any staying power to that. Miami fans will tell you that, hey, we got Tyler Hero coming back. You know, we're we got a team that's that's ready to go, and and we've got experience now. Now there's still some trades that could happen that would change all of that. What if Damian Lillard finds his way to Miami? Well, then then that's a game changer. You know, you had Lillard to that team. I really I really think the world of what Bam Adebayo did in the playoffs. I think he took a step. Jimmy Butler, of course, we know about. I don't. You know, the thing with Jimmy Butler is watching that series against Milwaukee, and then the series against Cleveland. He was like unstoppable his stats were unparalleled nobody was doing what he was doing outside of Michael Jordan did it once in the playoffs in terms of points per game assists per game rebounds per game steals per game and then I don't know how much that ankle injury bothered him he said it didn't but to me it clearly did and so Miami just didn't have enough to throw at Denver they did get a win out there it looked like there was another game or two they could have gotten but Denver was just too strong when it happened to be uh, time to go. So, I don't know. Miami, you can think about them. Boston. Boston feels like... Boston feels like, if I'm going to use my puzzle analogy, they completed the puzzle. Like, the pieces fit because of the way the puzzle was cut. This is this might be too... I love my analogies. This might be too much. Like, that corner actually goes on that corner, but, yes, technically it can go there. Like, the pieces, the pieces fit but it's not the design of how the puzzle was supposed to be. It seems like they're trying to find the right thing around Brown and Tatum. The right thing might be to move on from Jalen Brown, build around Tatum or even the other way, but they really are insistent of having Tatum and Brown. And I just don't think that that's going to get them over the, the top ever. They got close in the finals with golden state, but it feels like they're, it feels like they, like, I don't think they're going to win a title now because they got Chris Epps Perzingis. I think he's good, but... All right, we'll be back with you tomorrow. We've got more buy or sell, of course. More NBA. Maybe break down the NHL awards tonight. Stay tuned.
I'm Bart Winkler, CBS Sports Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 